My name is Amanda O'Shea. Um, I've been attending St. Catherine's Church for the past two and a half years. I'm a foster mom and a wife. Um, I work for Alpha Ireland where I have the privilege of serving the church in its mission. I've taken kind of some thoughts today. Some of them are my own ramblings and my own thoughts, but some of them are some others that I've been reading and listening to. I'll try to give credit where it's due on each of them. Um, this past week, I saw a cement truck on the motorway. Whenever I see one, I'm reminded um, of when I hand-mixed cement on a trip I took in my 20s to South Africa. Um, there's this uh, friend of ours in our church. His name was Milan Woolman. He was from West Africa, and he was working in South Africa where he built this beautiful oasis uh, for training pastors. He had a preschool there. Uh, they needed a bathroom, so we brought a team over, and we hand-mixed the cement, literally, and built it block by block, this bathroom for the preschool. And uh, he told lots of stories. He was a great storyteller. And one of the stories that he told us was that he was taking one of the young pastors in training and driving him near where this young pastor was from. And as he was driving him around, the young pastor in training said, oh, that's where the witch doctor lives. And Milan said, well, let's, let's go and say hello. And the young pastor said, oh no, pastor, if we go there, he will strike you down dead. And the Milan said, well, if he strikes us down dead, then you can pray that Jesus will raise me from the dead and God will be glorified. <laughs> and the young pastor sat and thought about this for a long time. And he said, not today, pastor, not today. <laughs> so our conversations with others are very important. They have weight. We're on week five of an eight-part series here in St. Catharines called Conversations with Jesus. Our text is in Luke 18, 35 to 43. And I've asked Chica to come up and read. And I'll give you a minute as she comes up to look for it. Luke chapter 18 verses 35 to 43 and do we have a handheld for her sorry I should have warned you about that do you want me to hold it or do you want to hold it As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of God, have, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. 
When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Thank you, Chica. Thank you. Let's just pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for who you are and how you love us. I pray we begin to see the way you see. I pray we begin to see others, see ourselves, see you. We thank you for your love and your care as you lead us and guide us in your text today. In Jesus' name, amen. So conversations with others, there's our cement truck, have weight. Okay, in this text we see a blind man who was begging between the massive gates of Jericho. Now if you remember Jericho, if you studied it all or looked at Jericho, massive, huge gates. They were so big that a chariot could be ridden on the top of them. So they were huge, massive. So if you could picture, you have this man, this blind man begging. We learn that his name was Bartimaeus, which just means son of Timaeus. And he's been begging there for a long time. That's the impression that we get. This is some of the context. We, we understand that this may have been one of Jesus' last miracles. It's certainly the last recorded one before he went to the cross. Some theologians even think this was only a week before the cross. So this is the context in which this whole thing is happening. You have blind Bartimaeus sitting at the gates begging. And someone walks by. There was a large crowd. The first conversation we see is Bartimaeus with those around him. He's asking what's going on because he can't see, obviously, what's happening. But because he can't see, he's dependent on those around him to, to tell him. There's so many people in the world today who are dependent on someone to tell them. There are so many of the people around us who are blind spiritually, and they need someone to tell them. So someone said that Jesus was going by. Bartimaeus was begging every day because he was blind. But the loss of his sight must have been immense. How is life going for you? Have you ever lost something that was precious to you? Often we're afraid to turn to Jesus, to ask him to restore us in some way that would give us life again. To turn to God when we are suffering loss. It's a great act of faith and of trust that Bartimaeus yelled out to God. Once Bartimaeus learned it was Jesus walking by, he began to cry out to Jesus. Okay, you ready for this? He didn't just say, Jesus! <laughs> Hey, can you stop? <laughs> I'm over here. It was, you ready for this? Jesus! He was crying out. Because there was a large crowd. And there were a lot of people. And the people around you can really influence how we respond to Jesus sometimes. For good or for bad. 
because the people around Bartimaeus told him to be quiet. It says they sternly told him to be quiet. They threatened him. The story's told three times in the Gospels. And it says that he was really gone after for this, to be quiet. There were, it says in some texts that the people in the front were like, be quiet, we know, we know it's Jesus. And they were probably like, we want to see him too, we want to talk to him too. But did it stop Bartimaeus? It's hard to remember who we are when we allow others to paint a negative picture for us or try to tell us that what we are asking for is too much or too often. I'm here to tell you that God is the God of the too much and the too often. His love is extravagant. I love that word. How have we allowed our conversations with others to shape us? Are there conversations with others that we need to exit? Are there conversations with others that we need to respond to? When you see a cement truck driving down the motorway, it's often turning, mixing the cement in a slow and steady manner. But the truck is also still moving towards its destination. Neither action is bothered by the other, and neither is impeded by the other. Another conversation that I was aware of when I was reading this text this week is the conversation we have with ourselves. Bartimaeus had a decision to make in that moment. He could listen to those around him or be quiet, or he could appeal to the goodness of God. Sometimes we can be afraid to ask for what we really want from God because we don't really believe He's good or that He wants to give to me. That's what I fight sometimes, if I'm going to be honest. He wants to give to all of you, but does He want to give to me? So we ask for the superficial need to be met first, to test Him. Or we just ask for something small, thinking, well, He may not have time. How we see ourselves is often at the heart of how we approach or don't approach God in conversation. And we are so busy thinking about how others see us or through the massive gaps about how we see ourselves or completely miss how God sees us. If God didn't think our lives were significant, why would he spend so much time trying to connect with us? He knows what we don't. That when we finally engage in conversation with him, we begin to understand who we really are. I'm a foster mom. And I have two children at the moment, and then, well, I have three actually, and I'm a grandmom as well. I'll just put that out there. And one of them is six years old, and when my daughter Ava is being bold, I tell her to remember in that moment when she's being bold, I say, remember who you are. You are kind. You are a gift. 
You are loved. Sometimes I have to say it that loud because <laughs> it's a tantrum or whatever it is. Um, there's a beautiful, beautiful story, an African story, called The Baby's Song. And I came across the story while one of my foster daughters has grown up and has just had a baby this year. And I came across the story while I was reading different articles and she was getting ready to have this baby. And I was really struck by the story. Um, it's a legend, and it says in this particular village that when the woman wants to have a baby, she goes under a tree and she sits and she listens for a song, for the baby song. And when she feels that song come, she goes back to her husband and she teaches her husband the song. And they come together and they create a baby. And when the baby is born, the midwives have been taught the baby's song. And they sing the song to the baby as the baby's born. And as this child grows up, when the baby is bold or acting badly, the villagers form a circle around the baby and they sing the song to the child to remind them of who they are. And as they grow up, this song is sung to this baby their whole life, even to the moment, so on their wedding day, and even to the moment they are lying on their own deathbed, the song is sung to them to remind them of who they are. I find this really beautiful. The baby's song reminds us that we need conversation with Jesus to remember who we are. Bartimaeus appealed to Jesus according to the revelation of God's character in the Psalms. A God who cares for the poor and the brokenhearted. Bartimaeus did not depend on his own thoughts about his worth to cry out to God, but depended on the value and worth that God places on each and every one of us. Jesus asks a poignant question here. What do you want me to do for you? It's a strange thing to ask. I mean, Jesus is asking him this question. He knows the man's blind. He knows he's been begging. He's just checking in with him. You see, Bartimaeus had been begging by the roadside all his life for what? What was he asking for? Money. He was asking for money. Sometimes we can get so used to asking for the superficial need that we lose sight of what we really need. There's a quote I love I came across. It's actually a study from the Irish Jesuits that said, Here I am, Lord coming to you to ask you to hear my prayer. Even though you know my needs, Jesus, I need to tell you of them so you and I can have a conversation and my heart find its rest. When I think of a cement truck, I think of my conversations with Jesus. I'm very much like my two kids. Ava and Adam, the three and the six-year-old. 
They love life, and they don't want to miss anything. My mom used to tell me when I was growing up that the angels in heaven must be very tired and used to run to God and say, you've got to take over. I'm exhausted. I can't keep up with her. And that is, if you get to know me at all, I'm a little bit like that. So I don't sit still very well or very often. But uh, recently, I'm having to commute to work on a train. And it takes me an hour and a half. So I'm sitting still for a long time. This is good for me. It's good. It's really good for me. Because I get to have a conversation with Jesus while still moving. The train's moving. So I feel like I'm still moving forward. <laughs> this means I'm in motion, but I'm able to sit still at the same time. This gives me time to be in conversation with Jesus. Neither an action is impeded by the other. If the mixer on the cement truck were to stop, the cement would grow hard. Our hearts are like this. I wanted to read another thought by the Jesuits, if that's okay. Jesus waited to be asked. What may seem from the outside as a desperate need for sight, could for the sightness be such a habitual state that they could not imagine themselves otherwise? So Jesus just checks it out. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, there's a sort of sight I ask from you to use my eyes fully, to relish every nuance of color that surrounds me, to pick up the life and feeling in others' faces and bodies, to appreciate and be open to the glorious world of vision, which I would miss if I were like this blind man. I have asked you a lot of questions today, a lot of things to think about, a lot of things to ponder. I'm going to ask you just to stand up, if everybody could just stand up with me, and the worship team could come back up. I'm going to finish with Jesus' final question. What do you want me to do for you today? Just take a moment, if you need to close your eyes, if that, that moment, to just relax and really just listen to your heart. Hear the patience and love that Jesus addresses us with and take time answering with what is in your heart. When Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Just leave it quiet for a moment. Shirley, are there conversations you need to exit? Are there conversations with others you need to respond to? 
in conversation with yourself. Have you been afraid to approach God because you think he's too busy or he doesn't care enough about you? I know silence can be uncomfortable for some, but I think the silence is really important. The band will start in a minute. We're gonna have some ministry time, but if everybody can just hold. What do you want Jesus, the lover of your soul, to do for you?